Okay, Ross, how's it going? Good, good. Can you hear me? Awesome. Good. Yes, sir, loud and clear. Oh, I see you unmuted. I can't hear you. Is that me? Am I having problems? Yeah, you were, uh, you were going wacky for a minute. Okay, is it a little bit better now? Yeah. All right, Evan, can you hear me now? Yep, you're loud and clear. Hopefully I'm uh, not too choppy. Yeah, you're not bad. All right, let me. All right, my phones are. You never ever know with spaces, Ross. How do you feel about spaces as a part of a Twitter product? I I love it. I love it. I you know it's funny now that Elon's destroyed everybody's life over Twitter. Um, it's like Twitter's product has gotten much better recently, and. I really like the direction the company is going and, and killing Clubhouse and, and adapting it efficiently is a very effective tool for Twitter users. I will definitely echo that sentiment. Uh, being that I'm doing about 40 hours a week of spaces now, wow. I'd say they've certainly, yeah, they've certainly carved out a niche. Yeah, yeah I mean, not... Twitter is a, is a incredibly valuable product that connects so many people across the world in an information flow that is like unbelievably valuable. And so, you know, I, I think Elon's smart buying Twitter and, and he should buy Twitter. So what do you think of this whole, and I'm just kind of making conversation for a minute before we get Omar in here and we get started. What do you think of his whole uh, back and forth now about the bots? Oh, I mean, this is how, Elon operates, which is really painful for everybody around because we all love him. But, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. I can, he didn't call me. I, I can tell him exactly how the world works on Twitter. You know what I mean? From advertising to bots to accounts to fake news to everything. I've dealt with it all. I've been on here for over a decade, I think. And, uh, um, and I've been attacked by the worst of the worst, you know, so I've, I've had serious battles um, and scars, lots of scars from Twitter, like lots of scars. So I, I think that there's a lot that he could do to make the platform amazing. I know that Elon's interacted with you. Have you had a conversation with him before? Um, not on this topic and, and not in, in a couple of years, not a conversation. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. But I, I saw, I think the last time I saw you interacted with you was when uh, you asked how uh, Tesla shareholders could perhaps, or Twitter shareholders could stay, yeah. you know, having some type of allocation within the company, even after it goes private. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm working on that now and, and Elon's followed through with that. So, you know, he's really, you know, Elon that people see is, is a little bit different than the real Elon, you know, and, and this guy is is like a force of nature, you know, and, and he could – he's not really one of these people that backs out of stuff and, or, or, you know, doesn't know stuff. Um, I think that this is a big piece to chew, and that's what's getting him right now. And, um, and he'll have to fight through it, but it's typical Elon. He'll, he'll fight through it. He'll do it. He'll get it done. Absolutely. Okay, so I think we're warming up. Stocks at thirty-eight dollars. By the way, the stocks at thirty-eight dollars right now. 
And we like the asset anyways, and that's what Elon bought it for, is actually 36 38 And so there's actually no deal premium at all right now. The, the market's basically saying there is no deal. But yet there's actually a signed merger agreement that's like a real deal that's being worked on right now. And so, you know, nobody stopped actually working on this deal. So I don't know. Absolutely. Um, okay. So I think we're going to go ahead and get rolling for a second. I shot off an invite to Omar. We went ahead and tagged him. So hopefully you'll hop in. I also went ahead and shared out the space. Um, if you want to see your audience in the space, Ross, I'm sure. Uh, there we go. I see you did share that out. That's perfect. Okay. So let's dive into this topic. And as, you know, Omar comes in, we can bring him into the fold. But let's get a little bit of background first, Ross, if you just want to kind of give a couple minutes just on yourself, you know, your involvement and when you started really following Tesla, AI, autonomy, you know, what drew you into this area? And then we can take it from there. Well, I'm an investment advisor, first of all, and I uh, I manage uh, $2.2 billion in assets. And we, our largest position is in Tesla. So we, our position is over $100 million in Tesla. And, uh, and that's actually much less than we've had at, in the past uh, when we originally invested in Tesla was now eight or nine years ago, eight years ago. Um, but we didn't invest in Tesla because of AI at the time. Actually, it was purely an EV investment from the Model S launch. And so the whole AI autonomous actually started for me with NVIDIA, which is another investment that we've had for quite some time that's performed as well as Tesla. And NVIDIA came from video gaming. And so like my original thesis came from gaming and then NVIDIA was like, wow. And then they started doing really cool stuff um, with autonomous and there was this presentation they did at CES years ago that blew my mind, just blew my mind. And so Tesla started working with NVIDIA on autonomous. And I was like, oh, that's great. Like, that's the greatest combination. That is two of my biggest investments and two of the smartest people in the world. So the guy who runs NVIDIA and, and Elon are, you know, two of my favorite people in the world as far as innovators. And so so they worked together at the beginning. And so Tesla evolved tremendously, I would say, in the last five years in AI and autonomous as they decided to do it on their own and not really rely on NVIDIA hardware and software and other systems that we now look at with LiDAR-based systems. So there was the original debate over LiDAR or vision. And so I actually – so just – Full disclosure, I'm not an engineer. I'm a uh, financial person. So, you know, I look at things from the technology standpoint, from the consumer standpoint. Like, does this product really sell more than my ability to analyze how good the software is, per se? So, I use the products like full self driving. And so, I can tell you how good it is. But but I'm not a software engineer, so I just want people to understand that. I don't have that technical knowledge base. Like, I can't program. And so, so for me, the adventure of autonomous, which I'm still learning constantly, is, is really growing. And now the way that Tesla's pivoted 
into a much bigger thing that Elon sees, which I agree with his vision on robotics and, and Tesla making so many robots and really learning from making their own robots and the mistakes they've made in the past with robots makes it one of the most exciting investments, you know, I can think of. And it's, but I'm mostly, I feel more like a fan than ability to like fully analyze the implications of it. I just ride the Elon train, honestly, and it's an incredible vision and what I've seen. And I, so he opens the doors to me. So I see what he's doing and I know he will succeed eventually. And it's an incredible vision he has. Perfect. I think that's a great way to start it out. Appreciate the background on the financial side. Uh, I'm in a little bit of a similar boat there with you, a little bit of programming experience, but nothing too crazy, more of a financial you know, analyst experience. All right. We got Omar in here as well. So I think it's time to start diving into this AI and autonomous vehicle side of things. Every time I chat with Omar, Omar's catalog, I come away pretty inspired as to what the future of electronic vehicles can be, but even more inspired with the vision that he has for so many different areas of the economy and how they're going to be affected by this. Um, so it's always curious to me that what Tesla's doing and you know why Tesla's not just a car company is going to affect so many areas. So I'll turn it over to Omar to kind of let you give a little bit of background here as to you know where does Tesla currently stand with you know AI and autonomous vehicles and how do those factor into you know obviously a car business model, but what else are those ultimately going to factor into and what areas do you see it perhaps filtering down to or not even just filtering down, but perhaps being purposely developed for and not really marketed as a product for just yet? Sorry, give me one second here. No problem at all. Omar's at a party right now. Party man. Somebody blasting Dr. Dre on the street. Sounds like you're in California. (laughs) Can you repeat the question, please? Yeah, no problem at all. Uh, In short, I was kind of talking about how every time we do spaces, you talk about really the big picture with Tesla. And you kind of inspire me to think, you know, Tesla really is that more than a car company, right? With the AI, with autonomous vehicles and so many other areas. So right now you can kind of, I would love to have you, you know, share where does Tesla stand currently with the areas of the economy that it is kind of targeting and acting within more than a car company, but even more so than that over the next few years, how do you think these product that it's de- the products that it's developing merge their way into other sectors and areas beyond just, you know, vehicles? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So when you really look at Tesla today, Tesla is a company that is really about two things. Number one, it's about large scale manufacturing of battery packs. And we need a shit ton of battery packs. Like, this is the major problem in the world. If we could make a lot of battery packs really cheaply, it would change the world. We'd be able to make all the electric vehicles we need, replace all the fossil fuel cars. We'd be able to make renewable energy cheaper than anything else. So, number one, that's kind of what Tesla really does, is they mass-produce battery packs and cars and uh, products that use them. And they're getting very good at that. They've now got these factories in Austin, Berlin, Shanghai, and Fremont. But Tesla's also kind of a software company. They kind of took software and applied it to heavy industry, to automotive, a field where 
the manufacturers typically have no software expertise and they basically brought some of the best software people in the world to this problem that just had not been getting any attention from a software perspective and their efforts to mass manufacture and they're killing everybody else by the way you take a look at the biggest manufacturers in the world toyota volkswagen they can't match what Tesla's producing in terms of the number of electric vehicles that are coming out of their factories. And, you know, you listen to Herbert Deese, the CEO of Volkswagen, and he says, well, you know, Tesla's growing so fast, we can't catch them. We can't take that level of risk. So they've been growing and expanding like crazy faster than the biggest auto manufacturers in the world, which they're often compared to. But really the fact that they're mass manufacturing goes hand in hand with what the AI team is doing. You know, they have really some of the most brilliant leaders in AI, some of the people who taught everyone else deep learning on their AI team. And really the key with deep learning in a modern sense is massive amounts of data, right? So why have we had really a deep learning renaissance over the last 10 years? It really comes down to two things. One, uh, GPUs and chips that made training a lot faster. And two, massive, massive data sets from the internet. You guys have probably seen AI models, some of these latest breakthrough models. They're incredible. It's like something out of Westworld. Like, you've seen models like GPT-3 where I can say, hey, I want you to write me a review for a pizza place. An AI model can write you a review of a pizza place that makes sense just by crawling all the data on the internet. And then the task that the computer program really has to do is predict the next character. And just by asking it to do that simple task, it can come up with like these really elaborate, you know, convincing responses just by making the machine learning model big enough. And you've seen models like Dolly 2. I'm sure some of you have seen some of the viral videos around this where they say, hey, draw me an image where it's a little girl walking up a stairs and okay now make it an infinity staircase okay now make it a staircase made of cookies and whatever they type the machine learning model can create this art instantly within seconds showing exactly what they wanted to something that would have taken a designer or an artist now anyone can just type what they want and it comes out and it looks convincing these are the ai breakthroughs that are happening because of massive massive data sets and how do you build a massive data set well you need to have a lot of devices basically in tesla's case you know cars or robots right so in order to make the car drive itself in order to give it the most real world experience it needs billions and billions of miles of driving out in the world both to collect data to find examples of things that you want to test against that you want to be resilient against and also to test once you have the software how do you ensure that it really works well you have to take it out and have millions and millions of miles billions of miles of people trying it in every situation in day and night and um you know rain su sunshine traffic light traffic suburbs cities everything and that's what they're doing and it kind of goes hand in hand so on one hand, you've got them basically doing this mass manufacturing, making as many cars as physically possible, really shocking people 
with how many cars they can make. And on the on the software side, you have them basically leveraging that to create an AI system that's better than anybody uh, else has by a mile. I mean, certainly better than anything you can buy in any other car. Really, the system they're developing, the Tesla Vision system, it can look at the cameras on the car and it can reconstruct what's happening around the car in a 3D environment and make predictions about things. It can see all the people. It can predict where they're going to walk, the cyclists, all that stuff. And this technology, it's not just for self-driving. It's actually become foundational to the car. Oh, Gordon Johnson's here. Um, it's actually become yeah. foundational to the car. <laughs> and you can basically have applications like active safety where, you know, if you're drifting out of your lane and someone's about to hit you, the same system that powers the self-driving can move you back into your lane. If you are about to floor it and drive the car into a lake, the car knows that, that that's a lake and it won't let you do that. If you have, you know, Tesla insurance, which they've recently started kind of underwriting in some of their newer states, it uses the same vision system to judge your driving in real time and changes your price based on how safe you're driving. And in their analysis, they've actually found that people are crashing less once they can see the score. They're not only saving money on insurance, but it's actually for sure the number of crashes. And, and actually, it actually couples have had more fights over driving <laughs> because of comparable scores on the same app, because I'm actually the lowest rated Tesla driver with full self-driving. But is this a fact? But, yeah, it's a fact. And, and then also, don't forget rental car companies and the data and, the, and how that works with what you're talking about. Gordon, how are you doing? Gordon, are you good. able to unmute? Good, yeah. Um, I'm doing well. Um, just wanted to ask a few questions when you guys have time. Go ahead. Yeah, so first off, when you say that Tesla has um, the best AI, I guess I'm scratching my head there because if you look at the Navigant rankings of, um, I guess, autonomous technology, Tesla has consistently ranked dead last. Um, and if you look at the videos online, I mean, you still have these cars kind of driving headfirst into other lanes, et cetera. So I'm just trying to figure out how you conclude that they have the best autonomous technology when you have, you know, level three and level four cars out there from the likes of WAMO and GM, et cetera. Uh, currently driving without anybody in the seat where Tesla still requires a driver in the seat. How, how do you conclude that they have the best technology AI? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So I think in the case of, you know, really you have everyone and their mom doing autonomy these days. And there's a lot of ways to kind of rank that, to, to sort that out. You know, you can, I'm sure every one of those companies would argue that theirs is the best in some way. Right. But and, you know, Navigant, I think, is kind of one that I don't really take seriously. If you look at their rankings throughout the years, you see them putting a number of companies ahead of Tesla that have now gone under or gone bankrupt. So what does it really mean if you're leading, if the company doesn't even exist anymore? I think, you know, in some of the early ones, they had like, uh, you know, Ford autonomous driving or something like that. The, you know, these these efforts don't really exist anymore. And, you know, Although you see a lot of different self-driving cars, 
it's what Tesla is doing is significantly differentiated from what these other players are doing. You, you have Waymo, for example. Anyone can go right now and go to Chandler, Arizona, within this small area, and take a Waymo ride. You can download the Waymo app, go request a ride. It'll be driverless in many cases, and you can go request that. I mean, I think that's a huge milestone for the industry. It's not really useful to me. I live in San Francisco where it's not open to the public. They are doing some testing, but it is kind of cool to be able to see that. But the difference between what I call kind of the spatial approach with these guys is they have a ton of LIDARs, radars, ultrasonic sense, a lot of hardware. You've probably seen it, you guys, uh, like there's a cone on top or all these kind of things sticking out of the car. It looks pretty ugly, right? So those are actually laser sensors. And what they do is they, <clears throat> they shoot the lasers out and it bounces off whatever is the nearest object, wall, car, whatever. And it returns back to the car. And that gives the car basically a 3D map of its surroundings. It knows kind of the distance to every object. And what they do is they'll drive around the whole town and they'll scan it with the laser and they'll create what's called an HD map. It's kind of a euphemism because what it really is is a massive, you know, hundreds of gigabytes scan of the whole city. And then once they drive through it a second time, they'll scan it with the laser and they'll localize the new scan against the previous scan. And that gives them the exact position of the car down to a centimeter. So I can say with confidence, yes, I'm in the right lane and I'm, I'm making the right path to turn right through this intersection because I have everything mapped out. And I have all the answers. I know exactly how I'm supposed to turn to make this intersection. And that's great. The problem is mapping the whole world is hard. It takes time. It takes resources. It takes data. And you see a lot of these products, they're too expensive for consumers to buy, which kind of makes them immediately useless, right? And you have a situation where they're limited to a small area, right? You can't say... If I'm in Chandler, Arizona, hey, I want to go to Phoenix. You can't go to Phoenix. All right. Well, they're, they're starting to test in Phoenix. Eventually, you know, you will be able to. But it's been years and years. And they haven't moved from Chandler to Phoenix. Even if you want to go to another suburb just outside the geofence, you can't. Hey, so, hey, Homars, can, can, I, can, I, can I jump in real quick? Sure. Um, so as, as you know, at, at I guess it was autonomy day number one, Elon Musk said on the stage that in 2020, they'd have a million robo-taxis on the road um, that would be uh, fully autonomous, level five. You know, you didn't need to pay attention, right? And we later found out that, at, I guess, what was it, like a month later, his lawyers had sent the California DMV uh, verbiage that said that they're only at level two and they're only ever going to be at level two. Um, and we also know that they're currently not um, recording miles with the California DMV, because when you're level two, you don't have to send in your autonomous miles where pretty much everybody else is, meaning everybody else is at level three. So again, I guess the question is, how can you say they're ahead of everybody when they're level two? And by definition, everybody's level three, not everybody, but most everybody else is, is level three and above. I understand some of those guys have went bankrupt, but if they've achieved level three and above, and thus they're recording miles with the California DMV, by definition, they would be ahead of Tesla. So I'm trying to figure out how do you conclude that Tesla is ahead of them, given those factoids. Yeah. yeah can I? Can I, 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 I yeah, Ross. Ross, you want to weigh in um, for a sec first? Yep. Yeah, because I think that there's a distinct difference that was just laid out in the way that the systems work between lidar-based systems and vision-based systems, especially ones 
built on the neural net. So currently, like I drive full self-driving every day and I drive the most difficult, challenging, changing environment every day because in L.A., no building stays standing for very long before they tear it down and they build a new one. And there's 50 other things that have changed since the last time you drove down that street. So you have to learn to drive. And we all learned to drive. And that's what Tesla cars are doing right now. And the more cars that have full self-driving and send data back, the more it learns. And so even though they don't have the autonomy level in theory that Waymo has, which I'm also invested in through Google, Waymo will never succeed with the way that they're doing things because the world is not static when you drive. And people in cities like Los Angeles, New York are literally crazy. They're literally crazy and they will jump in front of your car or crazy things happen that no computer can prepare for. So you have to learn. So in essence, Tesla might be behind on the surface, but what they're building is durable and that will work in the changing, the ever-changing environment of a city that you drive through under extremely challenging circumstances, hey, especially hey, can I, having can to I interact with other humans. Yeah. Can I ask you a question, Ross? So I'm sure you're aware of the Paint It Black video uh, that's currently on Tesla's website from 2016 that states um, before the video starts, uh, the driver is only in the seat uh, for the purposes of the video uh, or he doesn't need to be in the seat. Effectively, the video said the car was driving itself. The video was three, roughly three and a half minutes. Um, you watch the video. It looks amazing. Looks like the car is driving itself. Again, this was 2016. And we later find out there were like, I think, 300 engagements. And the video was shot over like 500 miles. Um, and in fact, I think I, I think the car wrecked in the video. Clearly, they didn't show that. So it was. Well, it I don't was, th- I don't know, like debate, like the videos or not. But like, right, but no, no, no let, think, me, let me finish the question. The, the question. Okay, there's a the question. question no, no, the question. So I just wanted to highlight that that video is still on Tesla's website. The question is, when you when you guys make these statements that they're the greatest and they're the best um, and that, you know, it, it's kind of like these anecdotal statements. You know, I'm sure you saw this. I'm sure you've seen this website, Tesla where it's been credibly alleged that there have been, you know, fatal accidents of people relying on technology that may not be ready. Um, do you think now, Gordon, come on, you know that's bullshit. Could be a bit aggressive. Listen, Gordon, there's Wait, hold on, not, hold on. this is not, not anecdotal, okay? Let's this not is not anecdotal. That 100%. There, are there are people subjective... that act very irresponsibly using autopilot and full self-driving. I mean, listen. And full self-driving will take it away from you if you use it irresponsibly. And Gordon, there has not been one accident, not one single accident that I've heard of or is on the internet from full self-driving. And it's been out there. That's actually not true. People. You can go to TeslaDeaths.com. Listen, listen. No, from full self-driving and they've alleged, beta. I think full they've alleged a seven deaths associated with autopilot. That's, that's no, no, a website. I said full self-driving Listen, Gordon. Right now is Gordon, out there listen. on 100,000 cars and nobody has crashed. Yeah, that's look, incorrect. You guys, listen. So, I mean, TeslaDebts.com is a website set up by short sellers that lists things that aren't even related to autopilot, that aren't even list, uh, related to where Tesla's at fault. When you say that, you know, it's just anecdotal, there are true subjective measures of progress, right? And behind or ahead, it's really what are those measures to what you're looking at. 
when you look at the number of people who are running the software, there's 2.6 million people right now across the world as of the end of Q1 who are running Tesla's vision system. This is preventing accidents every day, okay? It's preventing collisions every day already. That, in terms of the How do you calculate of- that, or is that just anecdotal? No, it's not anecdotal. Where is that see- calculation? Where is the calculation? You can see, for example, like videos that Tesla's even shared. You so can you're even- saying it's anecdotal. No, te- you Tesla don't have a calculation. Has a, Tesla no, it's not anecdotal. Report. Tesla has a safety report they put out. It's not anecdotal. You can see videos of crashes. How that do you audit Tesla safety report, system. Ross? That's that's a great question since we're talking about Twitter bots and everything else. I personally have not audited it, but I use it. And I have I have so much confidence in how good autopilot is on the freeway now. It's unbelievably good. So Ross, have you, did you see Galileo's video that he just recorded? Did you see that video where... It nearly wrecked into a column in the middle of the street. That was recent. That was on full self-driving beta, and that can easily happen, Gordon. It is not ready It also yet. nearly it wrecked into – it program, nearly program. ran somebody over. That And, again, that was recent. I can tell you for a fact that the car is set, that if there's a human anywhere near it, it won't go near the human. It will slam on the brakes before it goes near a human. Trust me, I use it every day. Okay. Uh, all right. So one other thing I wanted to ask um, uh, Holmars on comments made. Um, you talked about solar and, and, and you guys often talk about how electric vehicles and they're saving the world. Um, so Jeffries did a study and in their study, they basically calculated um, uh, to offset um, all of the carbon emissions um, uh, uh, of, of, of an electric vehicle. You have to drive about 124,000 miles before the whole life of the carbon emissions equals that of an internal combustion engine. Um, So when you do the math um, on this, um, you assume, um, you know, a Tesla Model 3, 82 kilowatt hour battery, um, approximately 29 kilowatt hours per 100 miles. Assuming the charge is about 95 percent each charge, 500 cycles. Basically, it works out to the car has about 134,310 miles before the battery effectively runs out. So that, that's not correct. If you yeah, it's if, actually let me finish. Let me finish the numbers. So if you assume if you assume uh, you know 134,000 mile battery life, um, that that's means not correct. Using those numbers, EVs will five hundred thousand. The batteries EVs, will last for five hundred thousand miles. Let, let, me, let me just finish the numbers. So the, the trans, all transportation makes up twenty five percent of global CO two emissions. Passengers use is less than half of that at ten point eight percent. So using Jeffrey's figures, if you replace the entire global fleet with EVs equivalent to that Model Three, the difference in CO two would be negligible. And if you include the replacement of the battery, it would actually be negative. So uh, two questions. Number one, when you talk, when you guys talk about EVs are saving the world, how do you, uh, how do you, I guess, audit that statement against those figures? And then separately, whole Mars, when you talk about, you know, solar, um, you know, saving the world, if you think about what's happened in Europe, right? So what Europe did is you know, they had that view, right? They thought solar was going to save the world. So they decommissioned their coal, natural gas, um, and nuclear plants, right? Distributed base load energy, and they replaced it with solar, right? The solar didn't work. So what did they have to do? They had to import 
intermittent, I'm sorry, distributed baseload power, i.e. natural gas, uh, nuclear from other countries. And not only has Germany's energy costs went up three times more than the rest of Europe because they're doing more solar and wind. But as we know, Germany's now relying on Russia, which has given Russia a stranglehold to invade a country and still get power for them. So given that example, two things. Why do you guys say EVs are saving the world, given those numbers? And why do you want America to emulate what Europe has done and potentially put our national security at risk? Well, Gordon, the numbers you shared just aren't true. And there's an endless number of morons like you who just don't get so it. So what numbers are true? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, there's no need right, to call me a moron. Yeah, yeah, let's have a real but, debate. Listen. No, 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 that's no, no, not no, fair. Okay, listen, listen. You talked, okay? So, you know, it does take a little bit of energy to make a battery, but your numbers are just completely out of date. It's a really around 6,000 miles of driving, less than six months, that you completely offset the energy cost of producing the battery. Now, these cars don't have tailpipes, okay? Can you, can you give me where those road, numbers are from? Because I'm stating a Jeffrey's, I'm stating a Jeffrey's okay? survey that I can send anybody that would like it. Gordon, I, I can send you the numbers. Can you send me your numbers to support the 6,000? Sure, yeah. every Tesla since the Model S is still driving around on their original batteries. Unless there yeah. was some flaw, there has been zero degradation of batteries that we've seen of any amount of consequence. In fact, we've seen cars go 600,000, 700,000 miles already. And we know this because yeah. we were an investor in a company called Test Loop that used to drive them day and night back and forth places. So we extensively tested battery actual performance on old Model S's back in the day, and it blew our minds. And so that's the exact calculation that's 100% incorrect. And what everybody's going to find is these batteries are going to last way longer than anybody thinks. And then they're recyclable anyways. So that's yeah. where the numbers are different. Well, I, I know that to be not true because I, I know people that have owned Tesla cars for years and their batteries have certainly degraded significantly. It's not 100%. It's not 100%. No, the, the, batteries already, the, cars, the batteries for years have been able to last 300,000 to 500,000 miles the latest batteries can last a million miles. And when a battery gets to the end of its lifespan, it doesn't mean that it's dead. It just means that the range has declined significantly. Do you have any data to support a, a million mile battery? It can still be used for grid uses or recycled or uh, stuff like that. So, I mean, it's undeniable. You have Gordon, you have the new technology is mind blowing. You have a car with a tailpipe that's blowing toxic emission into people's face. And you're here with a straight face saying that this is cleaner. I mean, come on. How how stupid do you have to be? To believe I'm it? not here with a straight face. I'm quoting a survey, a study that was done by both two separate studies, one done by the Wall Street Journal that came up with 130,000 miles and one done by Jeffries that came up with 134,310 miles. Two separate studies done. I can send you the studies. That's what the conclusion was. I'm not saying this. Yeah, tier I'm one quoting bank, studies. Tier one, Gordon, 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 you... You regularly do this. I, I, I've tuned in this conversation late, but you regularly do this where you quote Jeffries and tier two banks that have marginal. I've never quoted Jeffries anywhere. You just quoted Jeffries. You literally yes, this just is the quoted first Jeffries. time I've ever quoted Jeffries. Gordon, Gordon, this has been independently verified by multiple sources. Tesla batteries, as of three years ago, re retain 80% of their lifespan 
after 200,000 miles of standard road usage. This isn't a debatable thing where it's like, show me your source, show me my source. This isn't a, it's not a, a subjective point. How of can you say it's been, it's been verified if it's not, you, there's no source. Like it's, that's it, what I'm it's saying. Been, it's been verified by third party. The, it's been the, verified the by range. my own eyes. It's been verified by my physical eyes. What are you looking I've at? What are you looking at? I, again, if you'd like, I can send you the Jeffrey study old, and the Wall Street Journal three. study. Model, I can send you the links to the F- study. Do you have a study to verify your information? Gordon, you're quoting a Jeffrey study on the lifespan of vehicles from when? When is the shoot, study from? As I just stated, shoot me your email or however you want me to send it just, to you. I don't and I'll show you the study. I'm asking you, do you have studies to back up your claims? When is the study from? Simple question. Do you have studies to back up your claims? Can you just answer the question? When is I, your study from? What again, year is it from? Shoot me your email. I'll shoot you the studies. I'll, I'll post just it to Twitter. The date After the I get off this Gordon, call, I'll post both studies Gordon, to Twitter. Gordon, just tell me right, the date right, of the study. Right. Okay, just okay. Tell me the date. I, I'm going to post I don't think we should argue over studies. I don't think okay. we should argue over studies. Gordon, this is a very simple question. Though. Listen, Gordon believes the statistics he's listening to, and we believe the facts that we know. So let's let's just accept that. But if you redo the calculations, it, I'm sorry, example, real quick to answer this to answer the question. The study was published Gordon, April 2021. Gordon, yeah. if per se you're wrong and the studies are bullshit and you redo the calculations and you put in 500,000 per battery, what conclusion? But I don't understand, that? Ross, how you just can just throw just numbers just out there again. The I'm saying hypothetically, if, okay. for example, I'm right, and the car batteries last for 500,000 miles, and you redo these calculations, it would be the single most impactful thing on climate that humans have ever come up with. Isn't that, what about, that That's a ridiculous <laughs> statement. And I'm asking you, Ross, how can you just throw that number out there? How can you throw 500,000? true. Because I know that it's true in my heart, Gordon. Because I, Gordon, okay, well, I know that the, the, the study. By the way, the to the question when the study was done, it was done so, in April of 2021. All right, all right, I, okay. Well, Gordon, I have a 2022 here, study for you. I have a 2022 study for you that I just want to quote for Gordon. Okay, this is from this is from the Dutch Belgium Electric Vehicle Forum, and it's also in partnership with Electric, which is a pretty I don't want to say renowned, but it's a pretty you know, popular magazine or magazine or article publication, whatever you want to call it, that covers electric vehicles. Anyway, an independent verification study from 350 Tesla owners, okay, in three different countries. The data showed that for the first 50,000 miles of drive, Tesla battery packs on average lose between 3 and 6% of their capacity. After the 50,000 mile mark, those capacities level off. And at 150,000 miles, those packs still retain 90% of their lifetime capacity. At 500,000 miles, those packs still retain 80% of their lifetime capacity. That ends the conversation right there. It's a more recent study. It's from a more reputable source than Jeffrey's. Jeffrey's research on electric vehicles has been probably one of the worst out of all of the banks from the last two years. So to quote them and say, look, I'm looking at a lowball study from Jeffrey's who has, you know, maybe the least informed on battery technology out of all the banks is silly to me and not to mention it's outdated and even if you say it's not outdated it's two years two years ago that's fine but the point that you're making doesn't make any sense regardless because the current environmental impact of building batteries is 
probably the highest that it's ever going to be. The scale of battery supply, battery metal supply, and just supply infrastructure in general for the production of EVs is going to drastically pull back all those impacts. That's just the rule of scale alone. Um, So not only is your study outdated, it's inaccurate. And the general point you're making that's justified by the study also doesn't make any sense. Okay, so I want to take a pause here for just one second. Um, This was not the original intention of this conversation um, on the space. I did want to let a little bit of conversation, but we've run for a little while now. Stock market news. I'm going to defer to you for a second. Um, Do you want to continue this or kind of refocus here back to kind of the original conversation? I just want to bring you in on this for a second. Yeah, so we really do love, uh, we're a bunch of testables up here, and we fully do recognize that you need to come in with a full, broad set of audiences, you know, give different perspectives on it. This was a great conversation. Uh, It got crazy at points, as expected. Um, I I definitely think we kind of pull it back a little bit, go back to kind of the topics there, talking about the test. So I definitely do appreciate Gordon coming up here. All the remarks aside, and even the, the differences on Tesla and everything like that. I still do uh, respect you coming up here. And I think that this is uh, leading us into another Tesla bull versus Tesla bear space where we can really kind of come into it and have another good discussion there. Mom, I I do want to just slip in there quickly. This has been a fantastic space so far, no matter what you think of it. Definitely entertaining. Uh, I I missed you, Gordon. I I have to say I've missed Gordon. It's good to see you, Gordon. I missed the clips. I've seen a (laughs) bunch of CNBC with Ross and Gordon right there on left and right. Okay. Gordon has to tell them to put put me on again. Okay. All right. So so I will say I think it sounds like um, we we are going to refocus. Um, Gordon, I do appreciate you requesting to come up as well, um, getting on stage and having the back and forth. Uh, yeah. So thank you so much for that. Um, we're going to bring it back into more of the AI and autonomous vehicles kind of side and how it's going to affect other industries. That was a little bit more my goal with this, but thank you, you know, Ross and Omar as well for kind of, you know, having the back and forth here, having the discussion. Um, obviously, you know, the audience doubled in size during it. So clearly people were interested um, in a topic like this. Um, but I think a number of them also are interested in the original topic, which I had promised them. So I'm going to pull back to that. But Gordon, thank you for uh, requesting and coming up. And if there's anything which, you know, you want to put out afterwards, if you're able to tag us um, or tag, um, you know, any of the other ones, uh, I would love to review that as well. Okay. All right. With that being said, we are going to pull back into the conversation here. Um, we got Stock Talk who joined us as well, and Jack. So the original uh, conversation here was a little bit of discussion on uh, future potential possibilities of what is going to be possible in the world of AI and really other economies besides the autonomous vehicles and kind of what can be made possible with what Tesla's building. Um, we saw an announcement today from Elon regarding um, AI, the next AI day, which I believe is going to be in August. Number two, they're going to talk, hopefully talk about Optimus and things like that. I'd love to throw it to you, Omar, to talk about kind of what you expect to come with that and really what is even Elon's goal here as they move to build out a, you know, an AI bot and kind of leave a little bit from that car industry. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, it's kind of an interesting time that we're having this conversation. Elon just announced they're doing an AI day number two in August. So I wouldn't be surprised if that uh, included kind of an unveil of the bot prototype they're making. You know, I know their goal was to unveil a prototype this year and to get something into production, hopefully before the end of next year. So, yeah, they're really kind of leveraging everything they're doing in the car and uh, bringing it to a different form factor. 
you have kind of a situation where they've built this vision system for the cars that's really good. It's like life or death good, right? It has to be able to navigate around the world super precisely, navigate around pedestrians, cyclists, all of that. And that same exact system can be used to basically make a humanoid robot walk around. And really what we're going to see, and I think you may see them start to talk about this at AI Day too, is that making the car drive itself is just one leaf of like this giant tree of AI. Really what you're seeing more broadly here is software gaining the capability to do a lot of different things that, uh, that we previously only thought humans could do. Driving a car is really only the start of it. If you're imagining a world where everything is the same, but the cars drive themselves, that is just not the case. That's not exactly what it's going to be. Because if you have the software breakthroughs needed to drive a car reliably, well, what else can you do? Could you build a program that can flip burgers? Well, I don't see why not. Could you build a program that could walk around your house and pick up your clothes and do your laundry? Well, I don't see why not. It's really kind of all in the same system. It's all using the same cameras. They're using the same computer in the bot, the same chips that they designed that they're using in the car. And uh, yeah, it, the, the humanoid robot long-term could potentially be even bigger than the entire auto business, including the autonomy side of things. Yeah, I think that's fascinating. Ross? Yeah, I was going to say the the point that I think is most relevant to what you were saying is this idea of full self-driving being such an incredibly difficult challenge to master with all the variabilities of it that essentially that you've already developed a, a fully developed brain in a way for driving, but can't I repurpose this for simpler tasks? And that seems easy. So like, what I actually think is that Tesla will have massive success easily adapting to simple tasks, especially, and I think Elon was focused on areas where labor shortages cause lots of issues where robotics can replace human labor that's either dangerous and not fun or needing lots of equipment to, for protection or very strenuous work could be replaced with robotics. Um, and so the potential, because most of those tasks are not even close to as difficult as driving in downtown LA, LA or New York, um, I, I think they're going to have a ton of success because I think what they've done is they've mastered something much harder than what robotics will be. Right. To and you've seen amazing robots from like Boston Dynamics. But when you see those Boston Dynamics robot dances, they're entirely choreographed. All the steps have been programmed in, and there were probably a few outtakes where it didn't work out. The robot isn't actually like dancing on its own. Right. Which would really be something. So what's really been missing is the brains, and that's what Tesla's trying to bring to it. The, the brain Can I ask a question? The brain and the eyes. That's Can I ask a question thing. here? 
can, can I ask a question? Uh, just real quick. T- two things. You guys keep saying it's more than a car company, uh, but in 2021 and the first quarter of this year, 95% of their revenues came from selling cars. The other 5% were from an energy division that has negative gross margins. Um, so I don't know how that's not the quintessential car company. And the second thing is, if Tesla's so far ahead of everybody on technology, why in the midst of the COVID outbreak, when Elon Musk said he was going to repurpose his facilities to make ventilators, he didn't make one ventilator, but Ford and GM were able to do that. How can he be ahead of them and ahead of everybody else? Gordon, Gordon, I have a question for you. Uh, Gordon, I have a question for you before we, we answer that question, which I'm sure we can all answer that question. Is Apple a phone company? I was so going there. I was so going there. Dude, but I is literally it Gordon, had an Gordon, Gordon, Gordon. Nan- Gordon. I had a but, nano but, today. Gerb, but Ross, Ross, my point is, is that, Gordon, the exact point you just made, do you know in Q1 of 2022 that the iPhone accounted for 57.8% of Apple sales? Does that make Apple an iPhone company? Of course fucking not. And the, re- the reality is, is that the bear case about Tesla has always been about bears assessing Tesla where their feet stand. And that makes no sense. You cannot tell me that because Tesla's current revenue comes majority from the car market, that there isn't a patented path for growth that is being planned out by Elon explicitly, right? Well, you guys have been saying what, this, I mean, no, no, but let me finish. for like but, six uh, Gordon, years. Gordon, let me, let me finish. I well, no, let, let, me, let me say something, because you, you just oh. asked me a question. You asked me. Well, no, 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 no. I asked you a rhetorical question. Gordon, I asked you a rhetorical question. What happened to their solar business, right? He, I asked acquired, you a rhetorical question. The answer is obviously not. Hold on. You acquired Solar City. what was that, five years ago? And that business, right after he acquired it, if you look at the megawatts shipped, have imploded. Right. They were supposed to take over solar. Right. He said he was going to, you know, Tesla was going to be a. That's not how companies work. Let's focus on AI. Let's focus on AI and autonomous. And I think that's what people are here for, not arguing over solar city, which is long gone. We all know that the future doesn't develop revenue today. Okay, there's a reason for that. But I think the point I, I had literally on my desk today, somebody brought in an iPod Nano. Because that's when I invested in Apple in 2003, when the Nano came out. I thought it was the greatest invention of all time. The iPod Nano, Gordon. And at the time, if you would have told me that I'd be using an iPad every day, I would have been like, what are you talking about? Okay, so the, the way you make money in the stock market and investing in technology is about what you don't know yet that will be invented. And you have to invest in the inventors. Right, Ross. But I think the, I think the mistake you're making is that I think Tesla is more analogous to no, BlackBerry, no, no not I iPhone. Right? Tesla, Tesla. Hear, hear me out. Tesla was the first. At all. Hear me out. Tesla was the first EV out there. Now you have every single company making EVs. You have BYD that has now surpassed them in EV sales in China. You have VW that has surpassed them in EV sales in Europe. And you have Ford and GM who will likely quickly surpass them in EV cells in the U.S. Those guys are able to recondition their facilities to make ventilators. Tesla was not. So wait, 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 hold know, on. What you're talking considering... about the first generation Tesla versus new generation EVs. There's no other company that has sold a million EVs in a year, even close. Well, Gordon, I mean, BYD will Tesla probably surpass that this year. 
Gordon, you're just wrong. Tesla has sold more electric vehicles than BYD. Now, if you include BYD's internal combustion, of course engine, they have. But what I'm hybrid, talking about as we move through this Gordon, year. Shut up, okay? Shut up. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hey, relax, there. relax. I mean, he's just derailing the conversation. I don't know why we're letting him just take yeah, us on to all we, these random subjects. And he's lying, and he's not shutting up for a second so I can respond. What do you mean I'm lying? BYD sold 101,000 EVs in China. I quickly came in. I muted everyone. I took control of this. I do really, really appreciate open discussion. We love hearing the bull cases just as much as we love hearing the bear cases. But kind of gone in circles for a little bit. As I said earlier, do appreciate you coming on here, Gordon. We love getting the opinions on both sides. Really, the only way that you can uh, kind of make that informed opinion for yourself. And that's really what we're here for, getting information out to people and letting them make their own opinions there. We are going to move on from this conversation, kind of take it back to that original topic for a little bit. Uh, Gordon, I would love to get you back on one of these spaces, maybe do a uh, Tesla bull versus Tesla bear. I think it could be a really, really interesting case. Uh, for now, I do want to quickly shout out all our amazing speakers. Make sure you're checking all of them out. Give them a follow if you want more in this type of fantastic content. All doing great stuff. I'm going to hit the unmute everyone button, throw it back to you, Wolf, and uh, we'll continue with some good stuff. Yeah, you know, it's the beauty to Twitter spaces is walking that fine line between entertainment and education. So uh, you're going to pull it back here. Um, again, the original intended topic wasn't this. So, Omar, I can appreciate um, the frustration. Um, I, I, I was sending some DMs. Um, I know that you've been obviously a part of this. I think you've been moving around, too. I might not have seen them. So. Uh, feel free to kind of communicate through there. And of course, if we ever do want to do something along those lines, we can do that. But apologies if it got a bit out of hand. Um, I'll turn it back to you, Omar, to make your point. And then I see Jack has a hand up. Yeah, so, I mean, I think Gordon actually brings up a great point, although he tries to spin it as a negative. I mean, Tesla has an amazing auto business. Like, there's no way to spin it. It's It's just amazing. It's growing like crazy. Automotive gross margins are like 33%. He says Ford is going to outsell Tesla. It couldn't be further from the truth. Te Ford, I think, sold around, you know, 6,000-ish vehicles in Q1 in the United States. Even the Tesla Model S, a $100,000 car, outsold the Ford Mustang Mach-E, which is Ford's only electric vehicle. It's like when you look at X, uh, um, 3Y, and uh, S, it's not even close. And this is really kind of... A distinguishing factor and you know although kind of the shorts may say oh they're just a car company they're not really an ai company this is what sets them apart from say your waymos of the world right you have for example with waymo a company that's burning over a billion dollars a year do they have a chance to really come up with a revenue model that's going to pay off that cost anytime soon no they don't so they've had to keep raising money from outside investors with Cruise, you've got basically GM funding the situation. All of these other players in AI and autonomy, they're just bleeding cash because they don't have a revenue opportunity. Tesla's different. Tesla's actually profitable. And all this AI stuff, buying like a rack of hundreds of NVIDIA GPUs, designing your own supercomputer, it's really expensive. So the fact that Tesla has this automotive business, that they're able to sell these electric cars at insane gross margins, that they're able to sell the FSD package for $12,000 and a, a decent number of people will buy it or subscribe for $199 a month to use these features. 
they have a business that's profitable. And I like that as an investor because it means they're not going to need outside capital to survive. And that's really important. If you think about the long game, you think about these problems that take decades to solve, that's really what you want is this business is cash flow positive. It's profitable. It's not burning cash uh, in a way that its existence is going to be threatened long term. So, you know, Gordon also asked kind of how is Tesla ahead? And these are, I think, really key metrics for any business in which they're undisputably ahead. You look at the 100,000 users, the 2.6 million cars that can run the software. And of course, that number is growing really fast with an additional 1 million units coming online before the end of the year. And you look at the profitability. I mean, I don't think you can find another company that has financials like this in the AI space. Not even close. That's producing billions of dollars of profit on the products already. Um, and those, I think, are going to be really key factors to who stays around to compete in this field long term. Awesome. Appreciate that. Jack? Yeah, um, I had a couple of thoughts and then I will hop off the mic. So first of all, love the uh, lively debate that I kind of got in on the middle of. Um, so I agree, Omar, with like everything you said about Tesla's both technology and the fact that three years ago there was a real chance it went bankrupt and now they're crushing it like profitability wise. Um, but there is also a future where Tesla maintains, like keeps growing market share, is the de facto leader in EVs, and they pull off the AI thing. And if you bought the stock today, you would make zero money or potentially lose money because the story of what it could be is so priced and so high. I know that you guys disagree, so just let me finish my statement and then retort with whatever. But like Tesla's revenue is up two and a half times since fall of 2019. Its price to sales ratio is up like 12 times since then. And it, they deserve to trade at a premium from that time. They're more profitable. Revenue is growing. Profitability is growing. And the AI stuff showing more promise. But as we've seen with a lot of other growth stocks that are doing really cool shit that aren't going to go to zero, like these companies aren't going bankrupt. But once you hit that certain point where you're worth almost a trillion dollars, even if you do everything right, there's a very real thing where the technology executes, the business is perfect, and the shareholders don't make money from May 17th, 2022, just because at a certain point, it's just like, like, is a Tesla EV worth this much more than a Ford EV? Even with the AI stuff and everything else, like 20 times sales for a car company, even with everything else is just incredibly hot. I, my personal take, company kills it. I don't think the stock has another double in it from here, but that's, that's all I got. Let me, yeah. let me jump in on that one. Um, you know, you have to look at investing exactly like what I just said about Apple in 2003, because at the time, everybody said the same thing you just said. And Steve Jobs had just come back and it was like, oh, the stock's overvalued. When I bought NVIDIA, oh, the stock's overvalued. This was years and years ago. I'm old now, you know, and I can tell you one thing, you're going to get old too. And when you get old, there's only going to be a certain amount of companies that make you all the money. And once you find that company, you never sell it. And when it goes down to seven and a half times revenue and it's growing earnings by 200%, you buy it. And you don't worry about all the other stocks that are garbage compared to the best stock that I've seen since Apple. 
And if you look at Warren Buffett's portfolio, it's Apple. And that's where he's made all his money. And that's where I've made all my money before I found Tesla. And so you should just be grateful it exists. So Apple was worth Apple was worth seven billion dollars in two thousand three, and Tesla's worth eight hundred billion dollars now. So you're right, but also you have a lot more room to grow when you buy a company at seven billion dollars than eight hundred billion dollars. Like when I was Tesla's a kid, a trillion dollar company was an absurd thought. When I was a kid, the market was at four thousand, the Dow. And if you would have told me it'd be up where it is today, I would have. When I bought Bitcoin, it was four hundred dollars. And if you would have told me it would be at thirty thousand, I would have laughed and laughed all morning at you. So that's investing. Again, Jack, eight hundred you know, billion dollars, eight billion or seven billion dollars. Jack, you know, I mean, I think you're making a case that people have been making since the day this stock IPO'd in two thousand ten. Since the day this stock IPO'd, people have been saying it's overvalued. Not just it's overvalued relative to earnings. There wasn't even any earnings for a long time. And people said it was overvalued. Well, the fact is, you know, it's it's cheaper now relative to its earnings than it's ever been. And, and their future is more certain. <laughs> and their their future is brighter than ever. I mean, really, when you look at really what Tesla's mission is. They are basically about transitioning the economy to new energy, right? Rather than using fossil fuels, we're going to use renewable energy, we're going to use batteries, we're going to use electric vehicles. And you look at our economy, it's entirely based on this old energy system. Adam Jonah said in one of his notes, when you really look at what's the TAM here, for batteries and battery storage, renewable energy, electric cars. It's not what's in the TAM, it's what isn't in the TAM. This is a massive, massive market that governments are pushing money into, that society has felt, you know, there's an impetus to transition as quickly as possible. And that can't be underestimated. When you look at the AI thing on the cars and the, the way the software is evolving, Looking in the rear view mirror on revenue and earnings and thinking of it as a car company, you're just not going to get to the right place. Now, this sounds crazy, but I want you to imagine a situation where the same exact car that Tesla's selling today for $50,000 at 33% gross margin, the same exact car generates $200,000 plus of value for Tesla. And without you know, with only a marginal increase in the cost of goods sold. The cost of the vehicle essentially stays the same, um, you know, maybe increases a little with inflation. But the value that you're getting out of the vehicle completely changes. I mean, this is a company that I think has a shot at really hitting a trillion dollars of revenue by 2030. I think that, um, you know, we're really talking about a company that I see producing hundreds of billions of dollars of profit. And, you know, if Apple's worth $2 trillion, I don't see any reason why Tesla can't be worth $3 trillion, $2 trillion. Crazier things have happened. If you can really deliver on filling out your shoes and producing hundreds of billions of dollars of earnings, not to mention crazy things they're doing like the bot and stuff like that, 
that just takes this technology to a whole new level. Uh, again, I think that they, even if they hit all of the revenue numbers, if the valuation gets even a little bit more conservative, they could double or triple revenue and the price can stay flat. Like it's so much of the value comes about the story of what Tesla could be that when it gets there, if it's already priced in, you could have a business running on all cylinders and a stock that's flat. That's we've seen it happen with a lot of other tech companies that have higher gross margins than Tesla. Like you're getting no argument for me that Tesla is not just crushing the EV game has the highest gross margins and has the most advanced AI. I think Tesla is a phenomenal company. I do think that the valuation risk is a lot heavier than what Tesla bulls think, because I think memories are fairly short and it's not as apparent that most of the gains came from valuation expansion, not profitability growth or revenue growth. But I also know that people who are really into Tesla assume that it's infallible, like people who are really into anything. And that's a pretty dangerous way to invest in my short experience. I, I, I you know, I'm, I've been trading and investing for 10 years and I agree with you from the perspective of the fact that, you know, in this market, especially considering the market pullback we've seen and, and especially considering the macroeconomic risks we have, you know, the fact that we're going to continue tightening, the fact that we don't know when inflation will peak, um, the fact that we don't know when the war in Russia and Ukraine will end. I think there's a lot of, you know, overhead risk for assets in general. But when I talk about Tesla's valuation with people, you know, I've done fundamental, you know, I'm a stock picker by trade. You know, that's what I do. It's my full trading is my full time job. And so, you know, by virtue of picking stocks, I, I've done that in a technical way. And I've done that in a fundamental way in the past. I have very few investment positions. I have an investment account that I manage very differently from my trading account. But a position that's been in there since 2015 is Tesla. And when I invested in Tesla, you know, the proposition, the, the, the thought process I go through for an investment position versus a trading position is very different. And for me, for an investing position, you know, whether you've invested in Apple or Amazon or any of the high flying biggest companies in the world today, they've gone through 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 percent drawdowns along the way. And if you wanted to get them from the bottom to the top, you had to go through those drawdowns. And so for me, in order to have the psychology to go through those you know, go through that price volatility with a stock, the number one thing I look for in an investment company, you know, I don't look at the balance sheet in a vacuum like a lot of bank analysts do. I don't look at, you know, the financials in a vacuum like bank analysts do. I look at runway. And when I'm talking about runway, I look at the likelihood that the demand for a company's products will continue to expand exponentially over time. Like behind Tesla, my second biggest investment position is, is a company called LTHM. It's a lithium company. I bought it at $8 two years ago. You know, it's run up to highs of 35-ish and, you know, it's trading today at like 28. And it's been a great return investment for me. But the thesis there was the same thing. It was about runway, right? The reason I'm bullish on lithium is because you have a 10-year runway of exponentially ramping demand. And the only thing you need to do is invest CapEx to increase supply. And that's all Tesla needs to do too. And these other verticals that we talk about, like the title of the space, AI and autonomy, the point I wanted to make earlier about when I had my initially uh, when I interrupted um, Omar was kind of piggybacking off what Omar said. You know, what Elon has mastered with Tesla is he has created like arguably the greatest corporate beacon of synergy in the modern era from a corporate perspective, because think about what he did. He started off with a high-priced individual vehicle. And very quickly, he expanded that product line. I mean, 
Think of the Tesla Semi. That was another way to grab every potential market within the automobile business. And now he's moved on to the Tesla bot because he knows about the synergy of the development of full self-drive and how that's applicable to the development of artificial general intelligence that would be required to have a Tesla bot. And on top of all of this, he's focused on vertical integration as well of the business. Very few businesses, growth businesses, right, are capable of doing this, where you, you consistently, year after year, are vertically integrating more and more parts of the manufacturing process for your end product, but also opening up additional verticals in completely separate product lines. And, and I've given this speech a million times, so I'll make it more concise about, about their verticals, but you, know, you talk about solar, you talk about energy storage, you talk about the expansion of energy storage into utility scale energy storage, where you can stabilize grids of entire cities with utility scale batteries. You can jump that over to, you, to utility provision, electricity provision, insurance, uh, you know, the, the verticals they already have, the obvious ones, solar, vehicles, the AI bot, full self-drive as a software. You know, those are all hundred billion plus dollar verticals with enough brand penetration. And that's what Elon's done. He's created a brand that's a globally recognized brand, obviously has massive influence. His word alone, his tweets alone, drive billions in markets of value. So he's created, a, a, there's a reason Tesla doesn't advertise. There's a reason that they don't because he's created a celebrity of himself, but he's also created a globally recognized brand that has immediately loyal customers in all of these things. Tab, behind Apple, Tesla's got to be the brand with one of the best product um, uh, loyalties from its customers in terms of its customers buying additional products in the same lineup. Here, there's here. so many customers I know that have all their products, right? And so all of these you know, tailwinds are just one way to say that the valuation is justified from a runway perspective, in my opinion. Can the stock go down more? For sure. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see the stock in a big market pullback at 550. But all of these synergies and all of these tailwinds are the reason they have a total addressable market that's arguably bigger than any other company on earth. Um, and that's where I think that, you know, I, I hear you on the pullback, but that's where I think a lot of the valuation in my eyes is justified. They're going to have to execute on, sorry, I, I, this is my last. That, that was, that was great. By the way, I thought that was a really, really great description of Tesla's opportunity. Um, really good in all the verticals and the opportunities you know, I talk about things like what's the value of the charging infrastructure they've put in. Like they basically own all their gas stations. Like just spinning out the supercharger network has got to be worth a ton. It's better than any charging network. And they've got to start really be making money there. Tesla insurance. I mean, what's the value of insuring all your cars and making all that extra margin and maybe investing the float? Like there, it's just like an endless how about the screen and all the ad money they can make for all the brands that want to be on the Tesla screen or the apps to download? I mean, it's like the Apple uh, service uh, services income. They haven't even done that yet. So it just it just doesn't even end. It's just beginning. And that's what I have to say. It doesn't matter about interest rates. It doesn't matter about inflation. It doesn't matter about everything you read today. It's all a bunch of noise and scariness and da, da 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 It will never end. It will go on and on and on for the rest of your life. 
But I'm telling you, if the stock market goes down, it's a gift. And you take that gift and you invest your capital for the long term. It doesn't matter what happens over the next six months or a year. It's where you're going to be in the next five and 10 years that matters. And it's times like these when there's so much uncertainty and negativity and all these problems. And then people sell their Tesla stock is when you have the opportunity to really set yourself up for the future. And the future is long from now. People just live long lives. So if you think like that, the opportunity is limitless. Right. But again, all of those things that you guys are saying are going to happen, you're speaking about them like they are for sure going to happen and they might not happen. And if things that you think are guarantees end up not happening, that's Look, you could get, get killed, you could get killed tomorrow. I mean, that's ridiculous. You could get well, killed yes, tomorrow and all Ross, this doesn't Ross, matter. You just cited yeah. insurance, advertising, like four different industries that they don't make any money from right now. Like they're already trillion dollars. No, they're businesses already in they're these not... businesses. They're already in these businesses, my friend. They're, they just are so busy with everything else. It's like how many things can they do at once? And so Tesla has so many opportunities and, and that's the way it is there. But I just also want to remind you something. It's also about culture. This is the whole thing about when you're around Elon and when you're around Tesla people who work there, who are really doing stuff, you're around the greatest people in that business. They're the smartest, most motivated people I've ever been around. I'm literally inspired every time I come back from a factory or whatever, or my, or meeting executives. I'm like, dude, I could do so much better at work. Like my company could do better. Like they, they, they are such winners and you invest in winners. The, if the valuation goes down, like we've been buying Netflix lately because it's just ridiculously cheap and Reed Hastings and that team are winners. And so, you know, you invest with winning teams and the best brands in the world, and it will serve you wonderfully over time. I don't want, yeah, I mean, want to pop in here for just a, just a second um, because we do have about 10 minutes left. Um, I'll, I'll give a word to you, Omar, but I also want to bring in Sawyer. Uh, also, just want to say to the audience, if you haven't already, of course, clicked in and checked out some of these amazing speakers up here. We were honored and privileged to get Ross and Omar's plant speakers. Very excited to see Jack, Sawyer, and Stock Talk come up and join us on this. We are all passionate about this topic, and there's been a lot of words exchanged tonight, but I really uh, have enjoyed this a ton. I feel like I've learned a lot as well about the different areas of the business, the challenges. And I think it's super helpful, right? Um, I've invested in things in the past and my investing career is far shorter than a lot of the ones up here that, you know, and I'm personally invested in Tesla. It's one of my largest positions, um, but I've invested in things where to be honest, I just didn't do enough due diligence and I should have listened to more bears and had more conversations like this where people poked, you know, holes or said things that I could then go and look into to make sure that I had a good understanding of what I was investing in. So that's why I think there's a lot of value to these spaces and we will be doing spaces along these lines, um, you know, week after week, we do spaces every single week on this bull strippers account. So once again, go ahead and make sure that you're following the speakers up here, the co-hosts, and of course, checking out the bullish strippers account. If this is entertainment and education that you are interested in getting, uh, Sawyer, we'd love to just give a word to you because you did come up here and we've been waiting a while and then I'll get back to you, Omar. <laughs> Thanks, man. I, I just want to touch on Jack's point. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Number one Tesla source on here. If you want Tesla news, literally Sawyer is the one. And I, as a news guy, I will, I will give him that one 100%. Well, yeah, 100%. 100%. Why don't I give you guys some news right now that I was about to tweet up? Um, Tesla appears to have started offering the new $60,000-4680 Giga Texas Model Y to non-Tesla employees in the Austin area. So I just got a DM from a follower, so I'm about to tweet that out. 
but going back to Jack's point um, about like a lot of the hype and stuff being priced in the Tesla currently, you know, I think it's somewhat fair to say that within like the, the retail Tesla investor community, like things like robo taxis are priced into like our buying, but it's it's not priced in from like a general retail investor or institutional investor perspective. Like almost no analysts factor in like any autonomous network revenue potential in their models or even or their price targets. So I think there's like a lot of price discovery left there. Also, also most of the analysts on Wall Street have price targets well over a thousand. You know, mine is lower than most of theirs. Um, but I think it's fair to give Tesla 75 times this year's earnings. And we've got $12 of earnings. So it, it should be a $900 stock on that. And it's growing earnings much faster than seven, 75 times. You know, it's, it's doing real well. Omar? Yeah, I mean, you know, just to get to the core of Jack's question, really, like, okay, is the valuation really so ahead of itself that, you know, it could trade flat for years? And, I mean, I'm not going to tell you I know what the stock market's going to do. I've seen the stock market take, you know, bankrupt meme stocks to the sky. I've seen it, you know, take uh, otherwise good companies like below cash value and, Really, what we know for sure is that you have enormous secular growth in electric vehicles. You have a company, Tesla, that you know has billions of dollars of revenue and is growing the top line by 50% uh, or more every year this decade. We know just looking at electric vehicle demand, it's just shooting up exponentially. Um, and when you have a company like that, you get a valuation that reflects that growth, um, not just in you know the auto business, but everything else they're going to do. And you can have a company maybe that is trading at one times its valuation or something like that and think, okay, well, this is a great value. This company's trading so cheap compared to their earnings. Well, there's probably something about that company that's making people not want to buy it. The company probably is going to fail in a year or two. At least that's what the market is basically saying with that kind of valuation. So, you know, yeah, Tesla is pricing in kind of becoming one of the biggest automakers in the world, if not the biggest automaker in the world. And you can laugh at that and say, well, that's ridiculous. But look at what's happened. They've come from nowhere, from a sm small startup in Silicon Valley to out of nowhere to become now a serious volume automaker, making over a million vehicles a year um, that is producing more electric vehicles than even the biggest uh, automakers on Earth. And you've got cities all over the world saying, well, we're not even going to allow sales of gasoline powered vehicles past 2030 or 2035 or past a certain point. So you do the math where right now Tesla is 75% of the US EV market, more than 55% of the global market. And you know that the EV market is becoming the auto market. It's gonna swallow up the whole auto market. And that's the kind of growth expectations that get you to the kind of valuation you have. and. You've got people like Adam Jonas and Morgan Stanley who say, you know, I don't even think robo taxis are going to happen for 10 years. I think that it's a pipe dream and I'm not putting anything in my valuation for that. 
I'm just coming up with this value based on the value of the EV business and based on the value of the utility grade, you know, the utility battery business, the energy side of the business. So you have a business that really with the EV business is an incredible business that everyone agree that everyone agrees is going to grow like crazy. And you have kind of these wild cards, the FSD thing, the AI thing, um, you know, the insurance thing that really, I think most of wall street isn't, uh, looking at at all. So if you look at it kind of like, okay, what's the trailing 12 months of earnings and you multiply that, yeah, it might look rich, but that's not a good way to predict what the actual cash flows are going to be in 2030. So say that a Ford or GM or Volkswagen, I know that the non-car stuff tells us ahead, okay, but say the Volkswagen starts selling the same amount or more electric cars than Tesla 10 years from now, does Volkswagen's valuation expand closer to Tesla's or does Tesla's contract closer to Volkswagen's? They can both grow from here, but that's, that's just the point I'm asking because it's not, a, it's, it's not a, a one-player take-all by any means. I think you have to consider that they're going to cannibalize their own business with their EV businesses, which is one of the reasons they haven't dived full fledge into the EV businesses because Ford makes more money on a gas truck than they make on an EV by a large amount. So we have no doubt that every EV made by anybody will be sold. It's just whether or not that's a net sale as a new sale, or did you lose a gas sale to get an electric sale like what's happening at Porsche right now? So Porsche is selling tons of Taycans. They're a wonderful car. People love them, but they're not selling the 911 when somebody buys the Taycan. It's not necessarily bringing new buyers to Porsche, although a certain percentage are. So the valuations of those companies will be very much relative to how that ends up working out at each company. We've invested in Polestar because it's really a spinoff from Volkswagen. Volkswagen's top people were just like, we want to do EVs. And they, and they uh, partner with Geely in China. And um, they now have a separate company that's making EVs, even though Volvo makes its own EVs. And that's why we're investing in Polestar, because they're making their own EVs and it's a pure play. And they're not going to cannibalize the Volvo brand. It's not, it's not Volvo, um, but it's Volvo's best talent and China's supply chains. So it's really, I think, important to look at each company separately as how this will affect their business. But our basic premise in general is Volkswagen will probably be the most successful at adopting EV technology, along with all of the Chinese companies led by BYD and NIO. And there are many good Chinese companies, and they are also getting access to Tesla technology and talent. Um, that's one of the reasons Tesla is in China. And so we expect China will have many competitors that make good cars that are EVs as well. Um, so I think in general, as an investment, Tesla m might not go up a ton in the next couple of years. Like I don't expect to make a 10x return, but I think you have to look at your returns over five and 10 year periods of time because they come in clumps because for five years, Tesla sort of poked around and then hit a low and then rallied 1500%. And so as an investor, we can't time when those surges are going to be. And that's why we don't, we don't try to time it. And we don't know what Tesla stock is going to do over any short term period of time, but it doesn't matter to us 
because we simply buy it if it goes down and we intend on holding it for as long as possible. And so, you know, as long as Elon's alive and healthy and Tesla's doing what they're doing, we are going to be investors forever. And if you look at it like that, then it, it makes your life simple. Yeah, I mean, to, I think to the extent that Volkswagen does start to get into some of these businesses that Tesla has gotten into, their valuation would also expand. Like if they got into, for example, manufacturing their own battery cells, as Tesla has, uh, I think you would see some valuation added to that business. If they started, you know, currently they outsource development of their software to external suppliers. If they really started to build a great software business themselves, if they really started to build a great autonomy effort themselves, uh, if you really s saw them start to do some of these things that Tesla's doing, then I think their valuation could potentially also expand. If you look at their track record, though, there's not a lot to suggest that uh, they're going to be successful in software. And also, I, I agree that, that Volkswagen I think... is the best bet, though. I, I, I think that they Volkswagen and Ford seem to be doing OK. Yeah, in EV sales, I think so. But fundamentally, I think really, uh, you know, the money really isn't going to be in selling the elect the vehicle itself. The most of the value is really going to be above that. And long term, I don't think people are even going to buy vehicles it'll move to kind of a more service-oriented model. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot like Apple where the hardware will still be profitable and, and the software will be even more profitable. And Tesla's got a reoccurring revenue model with everything that it does, which is even more profitable. Um, so, uh, you know, one thing about Elon is he's not one of these people that doesn't understand how to make a profit. And I think that's an, another important thing. A lot of tech companies, um, you know, they do a lot of things that are awesome, but they're not really like profitable. And, you know, Tesla and the way Elon thinks, you know, he, he knows how to make money. So he makes money off all these these things. And I think as Tesla grows, these these other verticals become more and more profitable and interesting, especially when you're talking about autonomy. Love it. Sawyer, any thoughts on that? Okay. So um, I think they should put Twitter right on the screen now. When you like get in your Tesla, it'll just be like Twitter, and yeah, there you go. It all makes sense, right? They they should get like the little, you know, like how Jaguar has like the the Jaguar decal on the hood. So now the Tesla should just have a little button, and you press that, and like the little Twitter bird just comes up on your hood. <laughs> full integration. It's a drone. It's like a Twitter drone will like pop up. Now I, I you know. I think there's lots of integration on that screen. I dream about what's possible on that screen and, you know, and it's not just entertainment. I, you know, when you think about commerce and AI and its ability to know what I want to eat for dinner and drive home, automatically order the Uber eats. So my wife doesn't have to like coordinate this and, you know, all the different possibilities when you're driving on a road trip, telling me what's around me and, and you know, generating business and referral fees like from travel. It's just endless. Yeah, like if you look at Apple, they've got 36% hardware margins, 72% software and services margins. And this has allowed them to really create a situation where you can have quarters where iPhone sales decline, but overall revenue and earnings still grow because of the growth in their services. And I think you're going to see a very similar thing happen in cars. The car hardware is going to get very inexpensive to basically free. But you think about really the value of the services thing, especially if the car can drive itself. Like, okay, I, I get in my car and I'm trying to find a place to eat. Well, what is the value of just simply 
directing the people in the car to your restaurant or something like that, right? Um, I think it's pretty clear that the software and services part of the value system ecosystem here is going to eclipse the hardware. Every road trip, every road trip, that's the issue. Like I was just driving to Joshua Tree and I wanted to eat dim sum in Alhambra and Monterey Park where it's like super good. And since I was driving through and I was like, you know, my wife doesn't, she wants high quality food. So I was like, I want the best quality dim sum in Monterey Park and solving those things like with Google is what made Google so successful. So in a lot of ways, I consider Tesla like sort of the Google of cars because not only are they sort of mapping where we drive and how we drive and where we go, it knows all the data about all this. So it knows based off where many other people have gone, what is the best dim sum place maybe based off what Tesla owners go to. And then all of a sudden you have a data set of people who are very like-minded actually. And I think that many businesses have learned the value of putting the superchargers in their or around their businesses and how it's attracted tons of activity to the restaurants and malls where they're, they are. And we're seeing lots of that here. They just put them in the Palisades Village Mall here where with Caruso somehow got this deal to put superchargers in the parking lot. And it's like the first thing my wife said is, oh, now it's going to be packed here. And and it's true. It, it's There's ancillary businesses that are all services around Tesla that all could be developed into billion-dollar businesses. Fantastic. So we are um, over an hour and a half in here, and I want to be respectful of everybody's time. Ross, Omar, Stock Talk Jack, Stock Market News. This was incredible. Uh, one more time, make sure that you are checking out these incredible speakers up here because this is not at all the end of this conversation. Um, we do tons of live trading spaces. We do analysis. We've done several different spaces on Tesla. Also, this Bullish Rippers account is a great place to get information about Tesla. We're constantly, or I'll say Evan, Stock Market News is constantly tweeting from this account, um, you know, putting out information on a regular basis, uh, whenever there's earnings or events or anything like that, a lot of live tweets. Um, we'd love to just go around, maybe get some closing thoughts here, just final comments uh, from the panel, anything else that people want to share or talk about. Uh, we're certainly going to do more spaces. Tomorrow, in fact, we have a full panel of spaces that are going to be going on. I think we have five or six spaces throughout the day, starting with uh, 9 a.m. EST. Uh, that's going to be on the Stock Talk Weekly uh, roundtable, the Wednesday roundtable Stock Talk Weekly will be doing. That'll be at 9 a.m. EST, or no, 12 p.m. EST, 9 a.m. PST. I'm in PST, so I'm getting a little bit messed up here. Um, we, we know that Eastern is the EST is the superior time zone. Oh, it's so elite. EST is elite over everything else. I don't know how people do it out here. Thank God I'm uh, only away from EST for a week. Um, but a lot of those spaces tomorrow, one of them is going to be on Stock Talk Weekly's account. A bunch will be hosted from the Wolf account. So make sure you're checking out the Wolf account as well. I do host about 40 hours a week of spaces from that account. And uh, yeah, a bunch more to go. So let's go around and just get some closing thoughts and comments. Ross, absolute pleasure having you on. Appreciate the uh, good nature conversation um, and the back and forth. It seems like you were enjoying it. Anything else you want to add into this conversation? First of all, that was fucking epic. <laughs> that was amazing. I really enjoyed it. You know, we had some great people on this panel who I really respect. And, and you know, I follow everybody, you know, a lot of the people here. And and I get a lot of my information from, from Twitter, honestly. I find it to be an incredible source in the people. So I appreciate everybody here. Thank you so much and for hosting this. And Gordon for coming on because I do very much believe the challenges that bears – throw you 
is the best way to either strengthen or weaken your thesis. And so I very much encourage good nature debate, even with people that I might vehemently disagree with, you know, and maybe even not like, and maybe even think are shells. But that said, I give him, you know, the respect he comes on the show and, and, and does it. So I appreciate you, Gordon. Thank you. And I thought it was epically entertaining and informative. So thank you very much. And I think the most important thing I hope you learn from me is you buy great companies with great innovators and you don't fucking worry about the stock market every day. Great points there, Ross. Yeah, absolutely. Thrilling conversation between you and Gordon. Um, another time, I'm happy to set up a space specifically more dedicated uh, to that type of conversation. Yeah, uh, I, have with- to, I have to use more cannabis in that event. You know, that would be hard. Hey, I'm, I'm in I'm in California. Roll through. No problem. All right, let's get it going over Stock Talk. Any final thoughts you want to share here? Yeah, no, it was good. I, I mean, I, I showed up a little late, I, which is a bummer for me because I would have loved to, uh, uh, you know, own Gordon for a little bit longer. Um, but no, I'm just kidding. No, it was great to have him up there. And I'm actually always open for debate. You know, I, I like to um debate people especially on tesla because it's very unlikely that that my mind is going to be changed and uh, i've taken a lot of time to educate myself on the topic so you know i think that that that's a good thing but i think from what we talked about you know one point i wanted to make that i wanted to make earlier which i guess is kind of still relevant on the topic but i'll make it quick is just this idea that you know because the legacy manufacturers of the world like ford and gm are getting into this space and because they have the capital to inject that that's instantly going to make them competitive. The car business is one thing and, you know, getting to scale, you know, Ford's going to have about 150 to 200,000 unit production on the F-150 within two years. Tesla's obviously far exceeding that already with their electric vehicle production and they'll continue to scale as well. But the production of vehicles is one thing. And, and maybe they can get there to scale eventually with enough injection of capital. But on the topic of AI, which, again, was, was the initial topic of this space, Elon has proven already that it's not about injection of capital for AI. It's not just about spending billions of dollars on it. If it was, Waymo and Cruz would have already been there. Instead, they're operating in geofenced areas. And so... The, 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 the inflection point for Tesla and AI is that Elon is one of the best CEOs on earth because he's capable of managing, allocating, and motivating talent a lot more effectively than most CEOs. And that's what's allowed Tesla to scale so quickly. That's why SpaceX is one of the most valuable private companies on earth. And their valuation is scaled very quickly. You know, it went from a $10 billion to a $150 plus billion company within a matter of a few years, he's proven his ability to, to do what people think is impossible over and over and over again, purely by assigning talent. And that's what it's going to take to solve artificial general intelligence. If, if, if solving artificial general intelligence to build something like a robot was simply a matter of injecting tens of billions of dollars, somebody would have already done it. The risk reward is there. If somebody went up to Google and said, spend $10 billion to solve artificial general intelligence, Google would say, well, you, gladly, if that's what it's going to take. Yeah, I mean, we can 
we can monetize that in a way that would be far more rewarding than the investment. But people haven't done it because it's not about allocating capital. It's about achieving objectives in a, in a space that's never been explored before. I mean, no one's solved artificial general intelligence before. And so I think that's the advantage that Tesla has is the fact that they're already ahead of everybody else, far ahead. You know, no, no autonomy program can perform on open roads in multiple different cities and settings the way that Teslas can. Not Waymos, not Cruises. And regardless of people talking about the data, it doesn't matter. They only operate in geofence locations for a reason. So, so I think that's really where the, the edge is going to be drawn. And that's what's going to let Tesla propel ahead you know, over the next decade. And obviously, it's a gamble, but I think that we'll see that in the next 10 years. But yeah, I think it was a great conversation. You know, I think, um, you know, I wish kind of, yeah, I understand you guys cutting that conversation off because, uh, you know, Omar and, and uh, Gordon were getting a little hostile towards each other. But I kind of wish that we had left Gordon on and kind of let that be a little bit of a debate because um, I would have really been curious to hear if he was educated on this side of the business as well, because I know that he was focused on the car side, but would have been interesting to hear that but either way it was great would love to have him on the future again maybe and we can do it more as a debate style spaces yeah you know we're happy to do something like that it's just the the balance right everything no yeah i totally understand yeah i totally get it from your guys perspective you know as as hosts you guys did the right thing for sure appreciate it cool awesome great stuff from you stock talk stock talk uh your space is going to be at 12 p.m est tomorrow 11 a.m. 11 a.m. Okay. Yeah. 11 a.m. Is there a link out for that yet? No, but I'll probably put it out about 20 minutes after the space. Okay. All right. I Sounds. Oh, who's need to confirm who's coming so I can tag them. Uh, I am not certain that I will be there. I do have a morning meeting. However, I will uh, do my best to get the wolf account in there. No worries. No worries. I'll tag you in the post anyway. Okay, cool. I'll have someone bring it in. They just might not talk. No worries. Okay. All right, Jack. Appreciate you joining us and uh, having a little bit of back and forth here. Any final words you want to throw on here? No, I'm good. Uh, just really appreciate being a part of the conversation. It was a lot of fun, and I will be jumping on the next Tesla slash whatever chat. So thanks again. Perfect. Okay. I mean, this was awesome. One more time, if you haven't already. Uh, check out the speakers, but also this account. Um, again, my name is Wolf. You can see the Wolf account, which is up here on the right of me, the uh, verified account up here. That is where you can find a lot of my spaces, a lot of my content. Twice a week, I get to do spaces from the Bullish Rippers account. We always do a power hour on Monday, and you can catch us during that. We have a lot of great speakers. We live trade and such and such. And then we try to do one space on the week that either is a rotating weekly sector space. We often come back to EVs or cybersecurity or something like that. Um, but we've also gotten funky with it and just thrown in different types of spaces on this one. Um, I think last week we did a pretty interesting one. I'm trying to remember what it was, but there, there, there's just so many topics. And obviously we're doing 20 to 30 spaces a week. Uh, if you do like Twitter spaces, a great way to make sure that you don't miss them is to throw in notifications for spaces. Um, I'll specifically say this for Stock Talks account, Stock Market News, my account, the Wolf account. There is an ability to go in and just click the notifications button right next to our profile so you can turn it on just for spaces. You don't have to get pinged every time we do a tweet. However, it's a great idea, I believe, to at least throw it on for spaces so you don't miss out on some top tier content like this. Where else are you going to see Ross and Omar and Gordon all going back and forth and having a conversation um, for 45 minutes, right? It's just not the type of content you're getting on you know, a CNBC or anything like that on a regular basis. Uh, with that being said, 
I'll turn it over to Stock Market News, see if there's anything else you want to say before you close out. So low-key, some of my uh, favorite classic uh, Tesla CNBC clips are Ross Gerber and Gordon Johnson just going at it up there. So uh, it's funny, you actually might have been able to a couple of years ago catch that one on CNBC, uh, that little tidbit of it, uh, but definitely not to where we got on it. And honestly, hey, maybe we have a, a Tesla bear versus bull uh, basis coming forward uh, that we just kind of got planned and, uh, and made out. I think that could be a, a really cool thing in there. Definitely appreciate everyone for coming on here. I know all of them had to hop off, but Omar, uh, Ross, definitely for the plans, people, uh, you know, we really do appreciate them. Uh, Stock Talk coming up here. We had Sawyer, who I'm actually a big fan of as well. Uh, and then Jack, who I respect. And then um, Gordon coming in as well. So major uh, shout out to all of them. Great appreciation to all the amazing listeners for coming in. And I also want to give one huge more shout out to Wolf Financial coming in, hosting this space. If you enjoy this type of live free content on your timeline, more or less 40 hours a week. Uh, make sure you are following that account up here. Uh, I, I like that you kind of just slipped in the verified account up here. Um, I think we're still at that point, so I'm okay with it. But I, I did like that little slip in only verified account up here. Shout out to that. Make sure you're following Stock Talk Weekly as well. Uh, that's going to be the next space we're doing. So if you want to see that, if you want this content, make sure you're following him up. Not to interrupt you, Evan, but yeah, if you're in the crowd and you have connections to Twitter verification, verify me and Evan instantly. <laughs> Verified Wolf, baby. How did that happen? We, we, there was a... I don't know. God finessed it. God finessed well, it. Well, I also I was also on Twitter payroll for three months. I was fully. Yeah, vetted. I think that was your key right there. Yeah, yeah. I, they vetted I you. Paid. They vetted you. Yeah. They ran you through the comb. I was getting paid by Twitter, and I've sat in hours and hours and hours of meetings with them. Um. So that definitely helped. I don't know, man. You still could be a bot. Yes, I am actually a bot, though. We're all bots. Shout out one of my posts that did great today was Elon. We, we will all be replaced by bots in three years if Elon has his timeline right. Yeah, oh, I trust him. Okay, that's going to do it for now. I've got to hop to another meeting, but appreciate everybody who did come in. We'll see you all in the morning, 11 a.m. EST on Stock Talk Weekly Space. See you all then. Take care.